be seated. What a blessing it is to be in the season of joy, the season of salvation, the season of great hope. It is a good thing. And it's great to see so many faces. We haven't seen faces as much. And uh, we love uh, being in that blessing. It's great to, to be here together. In this season, we begin to look at very familiar stories, very familiar passages of Scripture. And the task of, of the season, I always find, is to look at the Christmas story each year and try to not breeze by it uh, or let it breeze by us. And let us get a hold of it, grip it, and then let it grip us as well. So we're doing a, a, a short mini-series uh, that is going to be uh, entitled The Parent's Perspective. We're going to be looking from a little different viewpoint. And as we look uh, at these very familiar scriptures uh, in the Bible, um, I often think about these characters around the crash, uh, the ones closest uh, to the birth of Jesus, Mary and Joseph. But I've found myself more and more uh, thinking about this bigger family perspective. What about the other families or the extended family uh, that was around these happenings? These announcements come and they were certainly a disruption uh, to the life of Mary. You know, to hear, hey, everything that you thought was going to happen is now different. And, and the life of Joseph. Uh, and, and I thought about that, how... What, what is it like to get the news that your fiance is pregnant and she doesn't really have a very good explanation? At least no, no one's really uh, clicking with it. Uh, and, and, and that's a, a powerful thing for us each year. Um, but we also want to think about the disruptive nature of this to not just Mary and Joseph, but to these other parts of the family, these parents. I think it's maybe because I, I am one. <laughs> and I, find, I found myself thinking, what about uh, the parents of these kids? Well, and I never thought of them when I was younger as kids, but Joseph was maybe about 20. And, and Mary, we think between 14 and 16 years old. Go over and look around at the youth group, and this is the age range of the, uh, of the holy family. So I found myself thinking a lot about the parents uh, and so we could call this series Meet the Parents. Okay? But, uh, so we're going to do a little bit each week on a different set of parents. We're going to talk about the parents of John, the baptizer. Uh, and then we're going to take a look at what about the parents of Joseph and the parents of Mary. Uh, how would they have responded and what do we know about them? And then, of course, the parents of Jesus. So... This weekend, uh, our focus is going to be on Zechariah and Elizabeth. And, and you may be familiar with that part of the story. They're the parents of John. And we find them uh, in Luke's, in the first uh, chapter of Luke's gospel. It's amazing that in this first chapter, Luke dedicates 49 verses to the birth of John the baptizer. How many of you think that means it must be important? Yeah. Luke only dedicates 40 verses to the birth of Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that, that uh, the birth of John the baptizer is, is more important, but it is very, very important. So I'm going to be reading from Luke uh, chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, and uh, 
I know a lot of you have been wondering, when are we going to get more of, of a scripture reading? We've been doing these short little readings, right? So I'm going to read a lot of scripture today. I'm, I'm kind of known for that. What are you doing with these little scriptures, Pastor Jeff? So just settle in. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. There's some parts I'm going to skip over because we're going to deal with those later. But beginning in verse 5, we begin to hear about uh, these announcements and the things that were going on. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abiah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell on him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before God. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man. My wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. But when his time of service was ended, he went home... To his home. After these days, 
His wife, Elizabeth, conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. And then, starting in verse 39, In those days Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. (laughs) And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And then in verse 57, now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth. And she bore a son, and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed. And he spoke, blessing God. And fear came over all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea, and all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. For he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, uh, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways 
to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Now let's stand and let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your words. All of them, even when there are so many, I thank you that you speak to us. And I pray that in this time, as we reflect, that your spirit might open us to what you want us to hear, what you want us to know, how you want us to respond in this season. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. It was the time of Herod uh, being the king in uh, Judea. And we know he was called Herod the Great. Uh, I kind of call him Herod the Grump sometimes because he wasn't a real nice king. Uh, But it was in that time, and and Luke, being a very careful historian, wants to make sure we know what is going on and when. A priest named Zechariah was married to Elizabeth. And they were both in the line of Aaron, uh, and that made their child, uh, should they have a child, to be in line to be a priest. He, He would have been qualified to be a priest. One little problem, there were no children. We know, many of us, very uh, closely uh, the pain of infertility, the pain of trying and trying and praying and praying and not being able to have a child. And if we haven't experienced that ourselves, we've known people who have gone through that very difficult time, but it was even more of a difficulty in the time of Jesus. Let me explain a little bit about priests. Levites were the name of the people descended from Aaron, the brother of Moses. And so this was the priestly tribe. Uh, They were the ones who served in the temple. They did all kinds of things serving in the temple, uh, from the menial tasks to uh, cleaning and taking care of things. But among the Levites, then, there were the priests, those who were qualified, especially trained, in order to make sacrifices and do the special offerings and do the special uh, parts of, of every holiday, all of the high holy days. And then among those priests, there was a high priest... Only a priest could go into that place that we call the holy place. That, that area to the inside. And only a priest could go in there. And the furnishing there was a, a, an incense altar. And they could go in to burn incense and then say prayers. But there was a, a shroud there. There was a, a curtain, thick curtain there. That separated that holy place from the holy of holies. The holiest place where the Ark of the Covenant was, where God had said, I will dwell in this place. And that was where the priest could go in, the high priest could go in only once a year on the Day of Atonement. And they would even tie a rope around him in case he dropped dead in the presence of God. They could drag him back out because that would be a bad thing. Amen. <laughs> and so this is the, the kind of the picture of what was going on. Uh, the priests would come to serve uh, in, in a regular rotation. Well, Elizabeth, uh, we realized quickly, was barren. Boy, that's a strong word. We don't use it these days. 
but she was barren, and now both of them were advanced in years. The Greek word uh, that's translated here is the word steros. Say that with me, steros. It's where we get the word sterile. And, and it's a really kind of harsh word. It means literally stiff and unnatural. To be called stiff and unnatural because you don't have any children is a really harsh, strong uh, a sense of disgrace in all of that. Now, what was strange was they probably felt that there was a blessing that was withheld from, by God and kind of a sense of a curse, not a curse. God doesn't curse people, but a judgment of sorts upon them. But everybody knew they were righteous before God and walked blamelessly. So it really didn't make sense. Why, why are these good, good people not able to have children? Uh, why is it that they have not been able to conceive? And it was a conundrum in, in that day. And it was something that they probably had come to peace with at this time in their lives. The priests, they served in the temple. They were, they were in divisions, 24 divisions of about 1,000 in each division. And they would come two, two times a year for a week. Now, did they do other things? They had to do other things in their villages, uh, and, uh, and John and, and Elizabeth and Zechariah were from Ian Karem, a village not too far uh, from, uh, from Judea, from Jerusalem. And, uh, but he had come and only twice a year would they come to serve there in the temple and take care of all the things. And when they came, when the division would come, they would cast lots to see who would go on a specific day. And there were just seven days in that, in that week, and including one Shabbat, to come in and to say the prayer and to burn the incense. And a priest could only make that offering and only make that prayer once in his whole life. Once you were chosen by lot, your name was out of, of the selection uh, for the rest of the time. So when we talk about this choosing that took place, this was the height of Zechariah's priestly life. This was really what he had trained for, what he had, had prayed for, what he had longed for, what he had hoped to do his whole life. I thought about it, you know, trying to be in a, in a more personal sense, being called to be a, a preacher. And they say, now you're going to be a preacher, but you're only going to preach once in your whole life. So get ready. <laughs> And this is really the kind of situation that Zechariah was in. When, he was, you know, when the lot was cast and he was chosen, he probably set aside whatever embarrassment or whispers had gone on about the past and about not being able to have a child. And this priestly week was going to be one like no other. When he went in to say those prayers, to burn that incense, a multitude, it says a multitude, that's a lot, of people were outside. They were out there praying, they were waiting, because when he came out, they wanted to hear anything. They wanted to hear a sermon or, or anything that he might have experienced. What, what did you see? Was there something special? So he goes in, and boy, was it special. Because an angel of the Lord appears before him, and clearly he's pretty frightened, he's pretty shaken up by the whole thing. We learn that it's the angel Gabriel, and we sometimes call him the Christmas angel. You know, there are only two angels that we know their names. There's Michael, and Michael seems to be a battle angel. 
And then there is Gabriel. And Gabriel is a good news angel. He's coming to bring good news, especially at this season. But Zechariah was troubled, and fear fell on him. He was very scared. And, and the response is, do not be afraid, for your prayer has been heard. Now, now, we didn't hear any of the prayers that he was saying on behalf of the people. We don't even know that he was praying about having a child. He may have been. But this was a prayer that they had uttered, they had, they had brought before the Lord again and again. Because that's what people who want children do. Again and again, they ha- have brought this prayer before the Lord. The prayer that you've said has been heard, and your wife is going to bear a son, and you're going to call him John. <laughs> he might have kind of gotten his eyes big, like, I don't know anyone named John. <laughs> but he's going to be called John, and you're going to have joy and gladness, and many are going to rejoice at his birth. But there's a couple of provisos. He's to live a holy, a very holy life, uh, according to some of the restrictions of of priests in the Old Testament. He must not drink wine or any strong drink, nothing fermented. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. That's amazing, I mean, because sometimes we, we say, well, the Holy Spirit only comes at certain times, and if we pray a certain way or if we do certain things, well, this baby is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. And in the spirit of Elijah, he will turn many people to the Lord. And everyone knew that, I mean, this, this is a description of the coming of Messiah, that one like Elijah would announce the, the coming of Messiah. So this was really probably getting some attention. And then I love these, these turning moments, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. Boy, don't we need that? Amen? And and, and he will turn the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. We see so much disobedience in this day that we live in. And and turn the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. And he will make ready for the Lord a people prepared. You can say that a lot of different ways, but I love it. Make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Don't you want to be a people prepared? And this is the mission that was set before him. Well, he had a question to ask. And he says, well, how shall I know this? And and he goes on a little bit further. He says, listen, I'm old and my wife, she's advanced in years. Now, what did that mean exactly? I did a little bit of research on it because I was curious. What does that mean? He was like in his 80s or something like that? We don't really know. But the average life expectancy at the time of Jesus was 45. How many of you, it makes you feel pretty good to be where you are, you're at, okay? Level five or level six, okay? And so um, if Zechariah was 55, he, he, was, he was old in that day. If he was 65, he was getting really old in that day. And also, the childbearing years were concluded always by about age 40. Uh, that's when that would be done. So she was in her 40s or, or maybe uh, older than that. We don't know exactly. But he has his doubts. I mean, he absolutely has his doubts. And that's what he's conveying. He says, how can I know this? And he uses a, a great Bible word. It's a Greek word, gnosko. Say that with me, gnosko. Gnosko means, how can I know for sure, without a doubt, by experience? 
How can I know that this is true? You said it, but how can I know? And the question speaks of doubting the word of the angel of the Lord. Now, we're going to get into Mary a little bit later. Mary asked a similar question, but not the same. She says, how can this be? And she doesn't use that word, how can I know, like I have some doubts. How can this be? For I've never been with a man, she says, when, when the angel talks to her. I don't have any doubt. God can do whatever God wants to do, amen? But, but I don't understand. Can you tell me how that is going to take place? Perfectly good question because she doesn't get a rebuke at all. But Zechariah, he got a response. <laughs> and the response is, uh, obviously, you don't know who you're talking to. I am Gabriel. And if you knew who you were talking to, you'd know I'm right in there and, and next to Christ. I'm just about as close as you can get. And I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak good news. And you should have received this as good news. And you didn't. And he says, and behold. Now, you remember we studied that word. And behold always says, don't miss this. That's what, uh, Every time. Don't miss this. He says, don't miss this. You're going to be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Because you did not believe. You did not have faith in my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. So he heads back out. Zechariah heads back out. And the people would normally be waiting there, and they're waiting for the priest of the day to come out. It was a big deal. It was his big day. Uh, And this was his big moment to preach. But he gets out there, and he could not say a word. He can't get anything out. He's mute. He's never had this happen to him. He can't say anything. And, and, and he would get to tell a message, but not now. He's waited his whole life. He may have thought his whole life, if I, ever get, if I ever get that day, if I ever get this opportunity, here's some of the things I'd like to say. Of course, he had this big experience that he would have loved to tell about. So he heads back home to Ian Karem. He heads on back to uh, the village with his service time finished. And sure enough, Elizabeth conceived Now, just so we understand, this is not an immaculate conception. These are married people being married people. And so they conceived in a married people way. She kept herself hidden for five months. She must have had great joy uh, in learning that that she was expecting a a baby. But in her heart, she said, the Lord has looked on me and taken away my reproach among people. Boy, that's a strong word. The Greek word means the taunt of the people. The Lord has taken away the taunting of the people, the disgrace that has been on me because of this label. That's a powerful thing. Because I I think in all of the gospel, there's so many amazing things. But one of the things we don't want to miss is that he is a remover of labels. We don't want to miss that because that's what he does right here. Well, Elizabeth, she, she had this relative named Mary. We don't know the exact, we don't, she may have been a cousin or a second cousin in this extended family. Um, but she had this relative named Mary. Uh, and so Mary had received a similar announcement. We'll look at that uh, a little bit later, that she would give birth to a son. And, uh, and the explanation of that is very hard to explain to anybody else. Sure enough, Mary had become pregnant without any union to a man. We'll talk about that later. She doesn't know really what to do. 
So she goes to visit her relative. I like to call her Aunt Elizabeth. And really, in a way, it's a very lovely and biblical way of dealing with crisis pregnancy. It's not to run away, but to go to family. To, to not go to some place destructive, but to go to family. And, and to find there the support and the strength. And this was just perfect. She, she, uh, she had been told that there was something happening here with Elizabeth and that she would connect. And no one would understand Mary and the miraculous nature of her pregnancy more than Elizabeth. They were different. But she would understand. And upon arrival, we have this amazing thing. The baby leaps inside of the womb of Elizabeth, and she knows exactly what's going on in that moment. And we don't want to miss this. Behold, (laughs) the first person to rejoice in the presence of Jesus was the unborn baby, John. You know, we say, well, I'm into praise and worship. I, I, I like to lift myself before the Lord and lift my heart and my voice before the Lord. The very first person to praise and worship was an unborn baby. It's just an amazing truth that we can't skim past. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit in that moment. And she pronounces this blessing. Now, listen, that means one of the very, the very first prophetic word said over uh, Baby Jesus said over this miraculous coming of the Christ was a woman filled with the Spirit. Sometimes people say, well, women shouldn't speak. I, I don't think the Bible tells us that at all. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, When the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. These two women had an amazing blessing, an amazing bond that they would understand each other because of what had been spoken to them. Well, Zechariah, he made it clear that the baby's name was to be John. He wrote it down and and made it clear. Uh, He was certain of that. And suddenly, when he revealed this, he was able to speak. And he finally gets to preach his sermon. (laughs) Say, praise God. (laughs) He's been waiting a long time. He prophesied. And it's a marvelous prophecy. Boy, the words are there. It's just so marvelous. So what are the takeaways from this incredible story. I love this story, but it is long. And sometimes we just kind of skim past this. And this is the season. This is the time to read this and to hear it and say, God, what would you say to us? And, and one, of, one of the answers always that comes to mind is, well, be careful how you answer an angel. Amen. <laughs> say amen. <laughs> be careful how you answer the angel. But there's more than that. There's, there's a lot more than that. And the first thing I want us to be sure and see is that God prepares and uses all kinds of people. All kinds of people. Uh, The child of Zechariah and Elizabeth would become one of the most famous preachers of all history. I mean, I don't think you can... You say, well, Billy Graham's and all the great preachers. John the baptizer. Oh, my goodness. The the one who prepares, who preaches uh, to prepare the way of the Lord. Uh, this amazing, uh, amazing preacher. And he used these people. Sometimes we get into this thing where we say, God couldn't use me. Why? Because, fill in the blank. 
because I'm too young. I, God doesn't use people as young as I am. Or, or maybe, maybe because I'm too old. I, I think those days are gone. I think I'm too old. I, I just don't have the influence, I, you know. Or, or it might be I, I don't have the education. Or it might be you don't know the things in my past. It might even be you don't know the labels that are on me that I can't seem to shake off. But God uses all kinds of people, all different ages, all different stages of life. Don't stop listening to God because he will use you. He will speak to you. The second thing is that a life of faithfulness is rewarded. Hungering and thirsting after righteousness is how we we heard it in the Beatitudes that we were studying just a few weeks ago. It's a powerful preparation for the plans God has in store for you. You know, um, Zechariah and Elizabeth could have said, you know what? I'm tired of being so good. I'm just tired of the righteousness stuff. We've done everything right, honey. And it doesn't seem to work. But they didn't. Because they hungered and thirst for righteousness for righteousness sake. Not to get anything. They didn't say, well, I'll be holy. I'll be good. I'll be righteous as long as I get what I want. There's a lot of that around. No, they just said, I'm going to hunger and thirst after righteousness. And so eventually, you know, the Lord said, I, I've heard your prayer. It was just in the Lord's timing. Third thing that we really don't want to miss is that the witness of the unborn may not be heard by us, could be felt by us, but is heard by God. And the witness of the unborn, the unborn are people. And they're, they're little tiny people. They're just unborn people at, at this point in life. Why is that important? We have a huge debate going on in our culture, in our nation, around our world about unborn life. And people have for a long time said, well, what does science say? What does science say? I don't care what science says. You know, I think science tells us very clearly. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Jeremiah 1 says... And it's God. This is the voice of God. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Let me just stop. What does that mean? At the point of conception, that's before the forming. At the point of conception, before I formed you in the forming place, I knew you. I knew you. You you were mine. And before you were born, I consecrated you. That means I set you apart. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. He's talking to Jeremiah, but he's talking to every one of us. That he has formed. Psalm 139 says, for speaking to God, for you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. We need to know the value, the power of the unborn and the witness of the unborn. The fourth thing that I want us to be sure and get is that God is in the business of removing labels of reproach from people. You know who puts labels on you? The devil. His, his name is accuser of the brethren. He's the one who puts labels on you. 
And so whatever that label might be, sometimes it's, uh, well, you're a loser or you'll never make it. All those kinds of things that get put on us at different times. Or you're so sinful you could never be used. All of those kinds of labels. Or you, you can't have children so you must not be good for anything. All of those kinds of labels. The coming of the Christ removes the labels that have been put on us. And don't miss this. Really important when we talk about the things I've spoken of. One of the worst labels of accusation may have to do with unborn life. With having participated in some way of of hurting or destroying unborn life. I'm so very aware of that. And Jesus so wants to take that label off of you. Of any person. And it's not just women. I assure you. I talk to men, I talk to parents. And Jesus is in this good news business of saying, we just, we're singing it. All things have passed away and the new has come. The old has passed away and the new has come. This is the glory of the gospel of Jesus. And that's where he wants to point us as people without labels that are on us who are set free. So I have some questions for us. Have you wondered if God could use you, maybe because of your age or station in life or whatever? Um, Have you wondered if it's worth it to be faithful to God, uh, to continue to walk in righteousness? It is. Are you ready to receive the message of Christmas first from the rejoicing of an unborn baby? Are you ready to rejoice with that truth? And are you ready to remove whatever label there might be? Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you that this is a season of hope, a season of salvation, a season of joy. And as we will see, a season of peace. That you are in the business of healing. You are in the business of lifting. And God, I pray that you would do that work among us, whatever hurt there might be, whatever label there might be. Because in you we know the old has passed away and the new has come. In Christ we are standing in righteousness. And God, we thank you for that. Father, I pray that in this season as we draw near to you, as we hear the glory of the Christ child, as we celebrate uh, the birth of Jesus, that we, we might draw near, not, not just to the images and the scenes that are so powerful, but to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we want to uh, remind you of a few things that are going on uh, in, in your church uh, that we want you to be aware of. Uh, we hope that you will worship through the bringing of tithes and offerings, and we have uh, many opportunities and ways to do that. We have the receptacles that are out in the uh, lobby there. Also, we hope that you will register your attendance with us. You can do that with the app or online. If you're joining us by live stream, please go online and, and let us know that you've been here. Most important are your prayer requests. We pray many times during each week. Our teams pray. So let us know what your prayer needs are and also any updates that you have. These last few weeks of the year, we are uh, in a property improvement campaign. Please pray about this and just ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me to bring back to you as a special gift here at the end of the year that would help these things to be uh, completed? These are things that are needed for our temple, our gathering place, and for 
for our facilities. Our youth group uh, meets from 5 until 8 p.m., and we have a special night uh, this weekend uh, for our Sunday Christmas movie night, a great movie. And the next weekend is the Christmas party on Sunday night, so we want you to be aware of that. We are looking forward to the rummage sale at the end of January, and the pod is here. Hooray! So as you're cleaning out doing that end-of-the-year cleaning and you find some really great things that you know would be sold uh, well and benefit uh, the youth ministry, please be sure and uh, contact us. We'd love to get those into the pod. Uh, We're excited about our celebration of Christmas. Next weekend, we're going to have uh, drama and we're going to have... Uh, worship with uh, ensembles and choir. It's going to be a great, great time as we enter into the Word as well. It's not too late, and you can see there the rehearsal times this afternoon is a rehearsal with a lunch provided, and then also on Tuesday we have a rehearsal from 7 until 8.30 p.m., and it's not too late to get involved, so please uh, think about that, pray about that, and uh, become a part of this. Our schedule on Christmas Eve, we have two services, 5.30 and 7 p.m. with our uh, outdoor refreshments and our live nativity in between. It's just a great, glorious, wonderful time uh, here on the grounds. Our schedule changes then on the next couple of weeks. Uh, We will not have a Saturday service on Christmas Day. But on the day after Christmas, we will have one service at 10 a.m. If you come at 9 a.m., you're welcome. You'll get the best choice of the donuts. But, uh, but we will, we will uh, be together. It's so fun because you find out who sits in your seat, the other services. Um, also, on, um, on January the 1st, no, no Saturday night service. One service on January 2nd at 10 a.m. only. And then we'll go back to a, a regular schedule. Uh, We want to remind you about our Think Humanity ornaments that are available out in the lobby. These are of huge benefit to save lives in Uganda. It's just, uh, and they're adorable. They're a great, great thing for you to take home, and 100% of the proceeds go uh, to help buy uh, bed nets. Also, mark your calendar. We're real excited that Brian Burgess is coming. Yeah. Oh, we love Brian, and he's going to be coming. Uh, at the beginning of February for our winter conference, four different services, Friday night and then Saturday night and then two on Sunday, each one different as we do that. So uh, plan to be here for all of those services, and that will be a blessing. Our uh, marriage cruise is uh, February 13 through 20. We just have a great time investing in our marriages, studying together, and then having fun together as well. Our uh, His Place Ministry toys, the last day is today. So uh, bring those toys, get them in today. I know some people will be around uh, the church uh, a little bit later, but this is a huge blessing. Unwrapped uh, new toys uh, are, are a huge help. We are still planning to go to Israel, and we would love to take your uh, prayer request to the Western Wall in Jerusalem and pray there for you and for your family and for the needs that you have. Um, The silent auction is coming up, and I know that seems a little ways off, but if you have a service or something to donate through your business, now is the time we would love to uh, learn about that and hear what it is that you might contribute. Let's stand as we get ready to go. I'm blessed to see you today. If you're here for the first time, I would love to meet you. I'll be over at this table to your left where the lamp is lit. And uh, we have a gift for you as a first-time worshiper, and we'd love to answer your questions. 
Let us go forth in the name of Jesus the Christ, the Prince of Peace, to receive and carry the message of the gospel everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen.